All right, so we are live, and I appreciate you, Dr. Harris. Now, this is a historic day, and I normally don't do interviews that are, how do I say it? I normally don't do interviews like this. Okay, we're live. I saw, I knew you years ago from this book, The 12 Universal Laws of Success. But that said, Herbert Harris didn't say. So when I saw, and it was like, I really wanted to do something different in terms of the speaker's podcast. And one of the things I wanted to do was to talk about a voice that really is talking about what's going on. Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, his memorial was today, which was tear jerking all the way around. I watched it. I I just, I I was done after, um, you know, the song, um, it's so hard to say goodbye. I just, I just lost it. I was like, I just can't do this. It's just really too hard. And then his aunt and his, his, his niece. And so I just said, okay, I knew we set this up. And I said, I need a voice that really can help solve the race issue. I go on blacknews.com and I see solving the race issue. And I said, God, thank you for answering prayers because I needed to hear a voice. But I didn't know it was you, Dr. Harris. Because I've been a fan of yours for years. <laughs> well, well, and I said, how did he? So you were giving away the book for free on Kindle? Yes. And, yes. and solving the race issues, you had three points. And, and, and let me explain to everybody who Dr. Harris is. Okay. So I'll read the formal bio. All right. Just, just the formal bio. And, and really, it's, it's not really formal. But I saw that you were, you were a civil rights attorney, uh, retired. Uh, you attended the school with one of the Greensboro Four, participated in the March in Washington uh, with Dr. Martin Luther King, I have a, and heard the I Have a Dream speech, lived through the turbulent 60s, the civil rights era, and you have written a lot of different books, right? Yes. And one of the things that I just love about you is that you're so humble. I mean, to be a civil rights attorney, well, first of all, you were in school, and you were in school where you, what was it, Columbia? Yes. You were one of two African-Americans that graduated? That's right. Two. Started out with five, three of them didn't, didn't make it? You got that right. I like, okay. I said, he knows some stuff. He knows some wisdom because what's going on right now is just taking the country, the world by, by putting it on his ear. I, I call it a major shift that's happening. Yes. And I want yes. to hear from someone who has seen things in the 60s, what you've endured, being a civil rights attorney, and just give us some perspective and then also give us the solutions. Because a lot of talk is going on, but yes. what I really wanted to hear was some solutions. Yes. And um, I just saw last night, 13th by Ava, uh, Ava. I couldn't sleep. I just was like, okay, I can't sleep. I said, there's just too much going on. And so give us some, um, give us a little bit of background about how, well, you know, basically write success books, right? This book is so how many copies? Oh, we, we're probably over a million copies. Yeah. It was so 800,000. So a million copies of yes. this book. And then how I'm sleeping on this other book about solving the race issues, I don't know. Well, well, you know, Pam, you're a branding expert. And one of the interesting things, I, I like have three lines of books that I write. And each book is like a different persona. H.J. Uh, Harris is a persona of activism, of, of social issues. 
Dr. Herbert Harris is a spiritualist. One of my friends, after reading my book, he'd known me for years, and she said, you know, I, I don't know if I can really just sit with you anymore. I feel like I want to kiss your hand or something like that. Like break dancing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the H.J. Harris is a persona that, because for a while there, it was hard. I was having questions about my branding. You know, I had been so branded in the personal development area. Mm-hmm. And you know how whenever you step out of change your lane, people yes. want to, I had friends call me when, when we were starting to really get some traction with solving the race issue. Every now and then the, the branding would cross and friends would say, well, you know, Dr. Harris, you shouldn't really be involved with that. I mean, you've been up here on this mantle and you've been talking about spiritual things. But one of the things that has happened now is that we have literally connected to a harmonic vibration. Mm. Mm-hmm. And in, in the civil rights era, I, 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 I was born in 1944, so okay. I let people do the math, okay? I attended school with one of the Jojo McNeil, General Joseph McNeil, one of the Greensboro Four, mm-hmm. came up through a segregated area, era, graduated but hated college. My experience there was not pleasant. I never went back to my college campus for 35 years. Okay, that was how exciting it was. Uh But one of the things, and and we talk about it in the book, one of the things that made a difference in the civil rights era of the 60s was television. There's a whole chapter, thank God for television. And thank God for cell phones today. But okay, let's go. Mm -hmm. So the television showed something to the world. One of the, we talk about the paradigm of racism. There's also a paradigm of slave mastery. And so, you know, white people have the, the slavery issue, white people have the slave mastery issue. And so when the two intersect, most white people don't recognize, you know, that slave mastery paradigm until they see something really in front of them. Mm-hmm. And so the civil rights of the 60s, when people saw on television that dogs were attacking people and fire hoses and Bang, oh, beating people with billy clubs and, and and it wasn't in real time you know but it was at least people had a visual of it and i think most people have a really a good nature inside and so they may be in a state of denial but when they see it in front of their faces it's incontrovertible uh-huh. and so when you see it the good people something inside says wow i didn't know that was going on you know that's not right and that's literally what happened in the civil rights era of the 50s and the 60s. Civil rights marches have been going on before. I mean, you, you had uh, sit-ins in the, in the 50s, early 50s, but they never gained any traction because there was no exposure through television. Mm-hmm. You know, in my hometown, Joe McNeil, one of the Greensboro Four, they actually had a sit-in in 1958 in Wilmington. Okay. But the powers that be told the parents of the children who were sitting in, if they come back, your job is done. And so they didn't come back. Okay. <laughs> okay. But they so, sat in, just give a little background for those who may not know about the Greensboro Four. And yes. they actually did the set in, was it Woolworth or Kresge? Uh, Woolworth, 1960. Yes. Right. And they did it for four months. They did it for four months. But the thing was, the, the picture of the South at that time was a segregated South. 
-hmm. You had to literally, we're talking about the late 50s, you had the colored, you had the white. This is where I grew up. I went to an all black school, had all black teachers. We even had a, a different college boards. We had something called the merit exam. I was the first black kid in my county to ever take the college boards. Wow. And so, you went to college at 16? Yes, I did. Okay. You, you, you had some <laughs> smarts up in there. Okay. It was like a God-given anointing. like whoosh. It was a God-given anointing. And it was the way to escape. I actually skipped the 12th grade. Oh, okay. My mother and my aunt were both teachers in the segregated South. And in those days, since the, all the education was segregated, the black teachers could not go to graduate school in the white colleges. Most of the black colleges didn't have graduate schools. Right, right. And so rather than let them come, they would pay them to go out of state. And so my mother and my aunt went to the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, my aunt got her master's there. My mother got her master's at Columbia. Wow. And when I was a little boy, she took me. When I went on the, she used to have to take me to class with her. And I would wander around the campus and I said, and I must have been, oh, maybe 11, 10 or 11. But I decided then I wanted to go to college there. Uh -huh. And so my aunt felt that I needed to get special education, that the segregation, like the black kids never got new school books. <laughs> we always got school books that people had written in already. Uh -huh. and, and the challenge was they thought that was all right. For example, black teachers were paid 40% less than white teachers, even though the black teachers had advanced degrees. So when I got a chance, yes. Yeah, so this is like full circle moment in terms of like, okay, stuff ain't changed. Like stuff really? Stuff ain't changed, exactly. Stuff has not changed. I mean, that has to be so frustrating for you to see all the progress that has been made. And people think, oh, you know, well, you all had a black president, so things are things are cool. No, we, we had Trayvon Martin, we had George Floyd, we had Mike Brown. I mean, there's just been so much bad that yes. that that having President Obama and Michelle in the White House does not cancel out anything. And, and and that's one of the the things I even went once he was elected, you know, that first term, I think he was elected by the greatest number of votes than anybody's ever gotten for president. Mm -hmm. And I was there at the first Congressional Black Caucus after he was elected. He was the keynote speaker. And there was a feeling of absolute exhilaration. Yeah. You know? I mean, it was like, man, I never, I took my aunt, okay? Whoa, <laughs> who, yeah, yeah. Who was like, at that time in her late 80s. Wow. And she said, I don't care. You can roll me. You can push me. <laughs> if I drop dead on the way, it's okay. You know, right. just lift my head up so I can see it. <laughs> right, right. My mother and father, they were the same way. When he was elected and it, it's like she has this, they, they've passed now, but they, she has like this little box of everything President Obama, he's on the cover of this magazine, yeah. all the newspapers, all it's like this Obama box, right? Yeah. And and so when today people seeing around the world, the country, everything about George Floyd, and then seeing his memorial today, it's like it, it people are I, Dr. Harris, I have never seen I, I have never seen as many white people coming to the cause than I've seen with this. So I know there's a shift. There's a huge shift. Uh, I actually went up to see his body. I went up, I took my daughter when he was in North Carolina on Saturday. Yes. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, we went wow. there because I wanted her to see that. I, I wanted her to be a part of that history and to, to see it. And like you said, there were more white people there. Mm-hmm. And just digress a minute, Pam. White people have always been at the center of these positive changes, the white people, okay? Mm-hmm. So when the, when the young men sat in at Woolworths in 1960, mm-hmm. once whites, the, the Freedom Riders started and white and black students started coming into the South and sitting in at these lunch counters that were segregated, that was the change. That was even it. That even was historically, it. you know, the... the um, abolitionists. I mean, that was a huge thing when we see Harriet Tubman. Harriet, that whole Underground Railroad, many of them were black and white people who sacrificed their lives to help get people out of slavery. So there's always been this, this, this working together. Yes. And that's the, that's the key. That's, that's what the key. happens. But on the, on the level of power, it's been different. From the time President Obama was elected the Congress, particularly the Republican Congress, because the parties have kind of shifted in direction these days, but the Congress worked as hard as they could to keep his agenda from being taken, you know, from, from being followed. Mm-hmm. And so I was absolutely amazed that he got a second term, but it said that he had struck a chord of white people and black people that, that the world responded to. Yes, yes. And so this whole movement of take our country back, of make America great again, is like a, a capitulation back to the old days. Mm-hmm. Like Civil once, War. Yes. <laughs> but once again, that's the power people, the people in power. Mm-hmm. The ordinary American citizens were in a whole nother place. And when this thing happened with George Floyd and the value of instantaneous communication. And so the whole world saw a man die in real time. I mean, I sat, I could not move. I played it over and over and over. And I, I, there's a book called Without Recourse, which is a book on hangings and Mm. how hangings took place on Sunday after church. And it was an event. And it's the closest thing to watch that man die that, that I guess exactly. a person could go to, to be at a hanging. Yes. To see somebody die and the life just drive just yes. drive out of their body. And, and the, the, world and the police saw officer that. had his hands in his pocket, like yes. sitting there like every yes. day, like this is what I do. This is what I do. And he didn't even look at him. And and with such arrogance, it's like nothing's gonna happen to me. Mm-hmm. I can do this. If I have my hand in my pocket, I can't be under a threat. Right. Exactly. (laughs) There was a, um, yesterday, Dr. Harris, um, and we're talking with Dr. Harris, who wrote the book, SolvingTheRaceIssue.com. And his book is um, really, we're going to talk about some of the, we're talking about the race issues, but we're going to talk about some of the things and the solutions. But yesterday, there was an opinion editorial that went viral um, by Michelle Alexander. Called America, this is this is your chance, right? We must get it right this time, or risk losing our democracy forever. I, I printed it out, yeah. and it's a it's, you know. So I didn't know. This is just me. I didn't know. And one of the things you talk about, we we need to know. I didn't know who Michelle Alexander was. I really didn't. I just saw it was just trending, and I just picked, picked it up, and I was like, wow. So the other night, I watched. 
was it 13th or I can't think of, I think it was 13th. Yes, she was in 13th. So I had no idea that she was in Ava's movie, uh, The 13th, which is a movie that everybody should see. But the day before that, I saw the other one called um, Hidden Colors. Hidden Colors, yes. Uh, hidden Colors. So, you know, the last few days I've been like, just stuff has just been hitting me all kind of ways, right? So yes. I'm like, okay, I need to hear, hear from, from you. So give us some, some of the three things that you talk about as a solutions, because your book outlines a lot of them. And yes. with you going through, like I said, civil rights attorney in the 50s and 60s, seeing all of this, seeing the change, seeing everything, and then seeing it all come back full circle. What's different today than it was back then? And how do you see it really, this transformation really going to take place? For real, for real. Yes. Well, first, it's all, we live in a world of vibration. And so when people see pain and suffering, it creates a vibration within them. Mm -hmm. And most good people say that's not right. And they want to respond. Mm -hmm. And so in the world today, we are able to convey through the internet, through the cell phones, we can show to a massive amount of people injustice in real time. Mm -hmm. And so what this does, one of the spiritual principles operating says when two or more gather in one accord, I am among them. And I am is that making power, that, that power where one plus one is more than two. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so through the internet, through the, the cell phone, more than two or more, instead of two or more, it was a million or more, it was 10 million or more, it was 100 million or more, minds gathered on one accord. And that was the harmonic that has stretched across the planet. Yes, that's what, I, that's, that's so, what we're feeling. That's what we're feeling. And see, in the prior civil rights era, that wasn't there. And so when the powers that be, you know, isn't it interesting that most of the civil rights legislation had some type of sunset clause? In other words, it was not permanent. <laughs> you had to reenact it, like the Voting Rights Act. You have to reenact it every so many years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the time they say, well, this problem should be solved by that time and it won't be necessary. Okay, that's what that was the, the reasoning of the statements of the powers that be. Okay. But what really happened is the, the emotions, the things that were being done in the 60s and the 50s were still being done, but now it was, as they say, sub rosa. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you still had that fear as a black man of driving down the, the road in a car. I was speaking to a group and I was telling them, something very serious as a child. My mother, who I had, like I said, had more degrees than a thermometer. <laughs> but my mother, when she talked about race, got down to a real level. Like she, her, the role of a black mother was to teach a young black boy how not to get, as she say, killed with uh -huh. a T. Wow. Not just killed, but killed. Killed. Okay. Out in the streets. And to teach you how to, like as a young black man, we were taught never look a white man in the, in the face because you may make him mad. Mm -hmm. And you had no way to protect yourself if he got mad. So you learned to do what my dad used to call the shuffle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. 
That's why very often uh, comedy, if you can make them laugh, they can't be mad and, and laugh at the same time. So you probably may save your life. Mm. So that's a whole nother level of stuff going on. That's a whole nother uh, uh, line of thought. But what has happened today with this harmonic happening with the whole world being involved, the three points, number one, is that in order to approach something, you have to understand the history. And so the vibration is there. So now there's a hunger, just as you want to know more. Yes. People all around the world want to know more. Like, how did, it, how did America, that has placed itself on the hill as the bastion of truth, justice, and the American way, how can it do this to their Black citizens? Mm -hmm. Albert Einstein, when he came here from Germany at, at Princeton, he wrote about that. He said he was one of the early freedom fighters. People didn't know it, but he, he, he saw this contradiction. Yes. And so, so that's so really the Learning, and one of the things too, your book is one, Solving the Race Issue. Are there some other things that, that people should read or, or watch? Uh, I did Hidden Colors. I did one and three. I think I got to go yes. back and do two. Yes. Uh, my podcast I just did, uh, the Digital Business Acceleration Podcast. We list some books and things like that as well. Yes. Uh, but I want to go back and watch A Birth of a Nation. I, there's so many symbolisms in that movie. I mean, I the, the, yeah, the Ku Klux Klan actually was a major political party at one point. See, that's why I've got to go back and really yeah. learn the history of a lot yeah. of different things. And so it, it and not only that, um, supporting black authors, black yeah. bookstores, yeah. Uh, having book discussions. I think that's one of the things that Michelle Alexander talked about in, in her thing about, you know, it says, you know, read and organize study groups or book clubs. Yes. And, and, and talk about these things. You know, the, the, it's like a, she called it a, a racial reckoning. Yes, yes. And the see, one of the things, the complete title of our book is Solving the Race Issue in America. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we wanted from a historical perspective, we want to hit a little, a little bit of everything so that people can see. We look at like at the NFL. Well, in, in, in football, in, in the one of the great Jesse Jackson, by the way, was a football player at A and T. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one of the guys who played with him came out of there and went to the pros. But in those days, you couldn't have a black man as a quarterback. <laughs> okay, that just was not going to happen. Whenever a black man went into sports, you had to be a tight end or a tackle, but you couldn't be a quarterback. And they literally said a black man didn't have the intelligence to run a football team. Mm. But what they were really saying was that the, the paradigm of slave mastery says that a white man will not listen to a black man, will not be led by a black man. And so you have, so I wanted to point out these little things from sports, from baseball. Mm -hmm. uh, baseball football. is a big one. Yeah. Yes. Sure. And even religion. The most segregated hour in the country is 11 a.m. on Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> okay. And it's funny, me and my husband were talking the other day. Sometimes you can find that African-Americans can go to a church where there's a white pastor. Mm -hmm. But very rarely will you find Caucasians going to a church where there's a black pastor. Mm -hmm. 
and it's like, what's up with that? So yeah. your your book touches touches on touches that. that. Yeah, some that of it is like slavery. That. I think slavery mentality. And people say, well, that ended so long ago. It was four hundred years ago, you know. But it's still a mentality. It's it's systemic. It's yeah. it's within. If you don't know your history, if you don't yeah. know the reasons why. When I watch Hidden Colors, I felt so empowered. Yes, yes. I felt so empowered. I was yeah. like, whew. Well, well, you know, Pam what we have now, what the system is beginning to realize in the civil rights era, like when the school desegregation, think about it. Many of the towns, I know my town, they, even though the law uh, took place in 1954, in 68, they were still fighting in court. So the literally the black doctors and professionals who didn't have a job, see the, the power structure always kept you beholden because of the job. If you worked for the white people, and you went up for your civil rights, you lost your job. Mm. And so it was the doctors, the lawyers, the, the, the preachers, the undertakers, the people who had independent income. And so think about this. They sued the Board of Education to integrate the schools. They spent about four years in the litigation. And finally, the, 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 the order comes down, integrate the schools. So now who's in charge of the integration process? The Damn. same people who've been fighting it. <laughs> Right. <laughs> okay. And so there, you know, there's a, there's a, 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 there's a, a quote that says, when you change your mind against your will, you remain of the same opinion still. Yes. And so now the, so true. the very people who've been implementing segregation are now in charge of desegregation. And some of the stories you hear about that, you know, one of the, the Wilmington 10 was one of those stories that, you know, how the black kids, fared how literally terrible things happened to them mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so that one of the big fails too that i grew up with because i'm 60 is yeah. the uh, the busing the busing situation that happened to detroit so you want to the the, it, the the reasoning was if we bust the black kids to the white school they gonna it's gonna be better yeah and 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 it was a hot mess i think it only lasted for a year or whatever yeah. but it was like we cannot legislate that we're going to send these black kids to this white school because when they went there, they fought all the time. They didn't get. I mean, it was it was just yeah, not right. Yeah, and 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 the paradigm of slave mastery said, "There's no way I can send my white kids to a black school." <laughs> they weren't busting them in; <laughs> they were mm -hmm. always busting them out. Right. Okay. And and during that time too, that's when a lot of Christian schools started opening up and really just started being more Christian schools because it was like they would integration. We're going to school with black kids. And so a lot of the, the Christian schools started having um, the more and more, you know, private schools. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, that was one of the main issues after desegregation. Everything was done to undermine that. And so these private schools were set up so they could maintain. So the powers have always maintained this, this system. Right. Know, this is the systemic. And if we look at where we are now, the present day manifestation of that is charter schools. Yes. Because in the old days, they, when you set up those church schools, one of the reasons they were church schools because the money did not follow the kids because that would defeat the purpose of the law. <laughs> oh. But with the charter school concept now, when the kids leave the public school system, the money follows them. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about a systemic problem, it goes all the way from, it's a vertical integration of power that has literally worked to 
keep this inequality in place. Right. So prison system as well. Yes. It's a whole yeah. So number one, it's important that they learn the history so that you can see how some of this came about. Mm -hmm. So to give you a spirit of truth so that you don't believe, as they say, don't believe the hype. Right. Yeah. The second the spirit point, of truth is empowering. There we go. Mm -hmm. The second point is that you have to do something. You got to do a new thing. You know, the second law of success is the law of change. It says, be not conformed to this world. In other words, whatever it is, you don't have to stay stuck in it, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so that second point to realize you have to do a new thing, the laws haven't worked. Because okay, here we are right now with yeah. a cop putting a man, a knee on a man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds in front of the world, in front of television, and thinking it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> thinking nobody's going to prosecute it. And so the laws have not worked, even in the court decisions. The same court, the Supreme Court that gave Brown versus the Board of Education in 1954, in 1896 gave Plessy versus Ferguson, which created segregation. Hmm. So said, you being a, a, a retired civil rights attorney, you're like, okay, we know that's not working. It's the same system. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the same. Just, just rolling out the same stuff. The same stuff. The laws haven't worked. The politics, the politics, because what happens, I think Frederick Douglass says, power corrupts, absolute power absolutely corrupts. And so politics does not work because once people get elected, they even start, may start with great ideals, but once they get elected and get into that power environment, it changes them. And they the number one job of a politician is to stay employed. <laughs> Okay, and so you got to take money from whomever's given it to stay employed, from the uh -huh. IRA, the ABC, or the GFH, you know, whomever. Uh -huh. And so the politics haven't worked. And, and even the movements that we've started, the programs, you know, the, the great society was undermined, you know, or it takes a while, but it, the great society that, that Kennedy envisioned it no longer, it, it had not happened. Not and so uh, there was a nice program that that peaked in the late 70s. And so in the late 70s, early 80s, you had more black men in college than in prison. Now you got more black men in prison than in college. Yeah. And so they would have you believe it's because of the people, but it's a systemic process that brings you there. So that point too is that Whatever we worked on in the past has not, has not worked for us. And point three, it's got to be a spiritual thing. Yes. And, and that is why this moment is so different, because the fact that this George Floyd's presence, his essence, has penetrated the entire planet, mm -hmm. and not just penetrated in a way that says, wow, that was a bad thing, but penetrated in a way that people start moving their feet. Yes and start challenging systems mm -hmm. all over the world. Mm -hmm. you know? That what yeah, is happening in America, there are other versions of it. In England, you have a version. In France, you have a version. It may not be racism, it may, may, it may be classism. Right, in Germany, yeah. <laughs> you know, some kind of system, but there's something that people are becoming aware now that there's a power elite and there's the regular people. 
-hmm. And the, the, the regular people have the power to change. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that the, the, the whole, when you said it's a spiritual thing, it's almost like when you talked about the Greensboro Four, there was like yeah. certain things that, that happened maybe in threes, where it was Greensboro Four, um, maybe it was Emmett Till, Rosa Park. I mean, but there's certain things that make it that perfect storm. Yeah. So for us, what we saw recently was um, the man, uh, Armand Aubrey, got yeah. shot just yeah. jogging down the street. Yeah. Then the next day, I think I saw something where a little little girl named Amy was calling the police because some vicious black man was attacking her. And all he did was ask her to put her dog on the leash. Uh, yeah. And then, all the, the, yeah, just in Central Park. And then there was Breonna Taylor. And then there was... George Floyd. So all those things at the same time made like this perfect storm of like, okay, it's enough. And then yes. it, it was yes. a tipping point. It's, it's like what you're talking about. It was a tipping point. Yes. Because at this point, we were just getting over Armand Aubrey, just saying yes. like, how could someone be so cruel? Yes. And then to say, uh, to call him a, a N-word as he shoots him. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is 2020. This looks like 1920. Yes. <laughs> It's like, what is going on? And then, of course, we just all come out of COVID, right? We were sheltering yeah. in place for the last three months. So that has something to do with it. And then think about earlier in this year, too, when Kobe Bryant and his daughter and all the rest of the people were killed in that um, helicopter crash. Yes. We were yeah. mourning that. We are mourning that and then mourning COVID. And I mean, it's just, at this point, it's like, what is going on with our Black men? Yes. First of all, it's like, what, yeah. why are they being attacked? What is happening? Yeah. What, what, what is going on? Why are they a threat? You know, are they a threat to society? A threat to what, 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 what is it? Well, and like you said, it's a spiritual thing. It's like get yes. to the root of that, that, that yes. heart issue. Well, you know, something else different that's happened with COVID. The whole world had to do one of, one of the most profound spiritual principles is be still and know mm. that I am God. Mm-hmm. And so with this whole and wash your hands and wash wash your hands all the That's time. It. That was like <laughs> symbolic of like just clean yeah. clean your clean yourself. Clean yourself. Mm -hmm. And so when you when you have people who've been closed up and separated for a while, people have had a chance to look within mm -hmm. and challenge some of their own beliefs. You know, many of us say, Man, I think I I thought I did everything right. All was going good, and all of a sudden now I'm at this point in my life, and and you know something I didn't have anything to do with. So now, when you uh, be still and know, your mind now is very open and receptive. Yeah, more sensitive. It is more sensitive. That's true. More sensitive, and so with this thing happening with George Floyd plugging into that vibration of the world, it's going to change the world. And let me tell you. The, the final piece of the, the spiritual transformation, there's three principles. There's a, a story in the Bible that talks about when you when the man comes before God and uh, God is separating basically the good people from the bad people. You're going to heaven, you're going to hell. And he says to the man, he said, uh, you know, uh, you didn't feed me when I was hungry. You didn't clothe me when I was naked. You didn't visit me when I was in prison. And the man said, well, God, when did I not do these things? And he said, when you did them to the least of them, you did them to me. Mm -hmm. And see, that spiritual principle now is working. 
See, it's been working on, but now people have been uh, tuning into that. And so the idea, everything that's going on, if we just follow the principle, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, whether you read the Bible, or knew anything other than that, we'd be in a better place. Mm-hmm. And so spiritually, how do you get past this contradiction? So number one is you have to acknowledge it. And that's why studying the history is good. And that's why, and when we say acknowledge it, black people have to acknowledge things about ourselves. You know, why we always go sit in the back of the room. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but as a black man, I, I had to acknowledge that I go suited and booted every way. But when I really looked in my soul, it was just another way of doing the shuffle. <laughs> okay. Because I found if I'm suited and booted, I'll, I'll be treated differently. When the cops stop me, they look in the car, they always say, Reverend, where you going? Where's your church? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never had one say, are you a CEO of anything? Okay. But mm-hmm. that's the symbolism they have. Mm-hmm. And so in order for America to spiritually go forward, we all have to acknowledge the issue. Black folks have to acknowledge where we're at and white people have to acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this is the spirit that people don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. They don't. In other words, it, 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 you didn't burn anybody, you didn't hang anybody, but can you at least acknowledge that it was wrong? I mean, I've been in conversations where a man said, "Well, my my great grandfather, he did these things to black people, but you know, I didn't do them, and I can't second guess my great grandfather." I'm like, "Well, was murder illegal then? Yeah, it's illegal now." So can you at least judge him based on the standards now? Mm-hmm. And so until people, until black people can recognize the impact of slavery on us, until white people can impact, can acknowledge the, the impact of the paradigm of slavery on them. That's true. And all it takes is something real simple. I'm seeing it happening in little places. I, I saw somebody mocking it. I think the president said, I don't kneel for anybody or something like that, but I won't go there. But uh, that, that the, the three stages of forgiveness, number one, acknowledge the wrongs that you've done or that mm-hmm. were done on your behalf or done by your ancestors, which doesn't take anything other than to open your heart. Right. Humility. Mm-hmm. That's it. And until people can do that, we're going to be at the same place again. Mm-hmm. Two, you gotta forgive. You gotta forgive those perpetrators, forgive yourself, forgive. And once you can forgive the people, and I mean, that's on the black folks. So if we look at it kind of, black folks have to acknowledge their problem, but the biggest challenge is white people to acknowledge the situation. Mm-hmm. The second is forgiveness. Now the forgiveness side, that's what black folks gotta forgive, you know, cause there are a lot of angry young people but when you understand the process, you got to forgive. Mm-hmm. And then the third step is the thing that I think is going to really be the, ch- is make atonement. Yes. And, you know, you have this whole thing going about reparations. I'm not preaching reparations, but I'm saying atonement is a spiritual principle that can be worked out by everybody. Atonement can only work when everybody agrees to what it is, to how it is, to what in manner, what manner it becomes. And so these spiritual principles are right there for us. It's gonna be a challenge, but I believe that the vibration of truth 
the vibration of love. Yeah, and I got Pam, I gotta send you. I wrote, you know, I write music too. How did and I have yes, 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 I have a song called The Time to Love Is Here. The Time to Love Is Here. That's it. Yeah. Here and now. By Dr. H. All right, all right. <laughs> so that's my the, music. That's persona. The other persona. Right, yeah. right. And that's on, you know, iTunes and all of them. I'm gonna send you the video. I'll send it to you. Okay, okay. But the time to love is here. Mm-hmm. It's the time now to say, to look at when we say brothers and sisters and to recognize that there is a power structure in place, but that power truck structure only has power because we give it to them. Mm-hmm. And love is and the highest vibration. It's one yeah. of the, a higher vibration that we need to go. There we go. And when we do that, when we unite in love and consciousness and understanding, we'll create a vibration. You know, the symbolism of uh, when they say the the walls of Jericho came down when they blew the horn, blew blew the trumpet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The symbolism is that the vibration of people's consciousness has the power to move mountains, Mm. has the power to tear down walls, but most of all has the power to change hearts. Mm -hmm. And that's where we are now. That is. And, and you know, I, I, I so appreciate you. This past Saturday was the first protest that I've ever walked in and mm-hmm. participated in. And um, even with COVID, I had my mask on and everything. But the spirit was so loving. Everybody, I was probably one of the few African Americans at this particular uh, protest. Yeah. But um, the, it was so loving and everybody was so kind. And, and, and I did feel a certain change that is really going to happen. The, yes. the thing that, that I'm finding in my emails is I'm finding that uh, a lot of uh, white uh, internet marketers or business owners are sending me emails about uh, support black businesses. And, and yes. I mean, they're making, they making these overt things like, what can we do? You know, follow. There was one lady that says, let's follow more black people on social media. Follow mm-hmm. them on Instagram. Listen to them. Listen to their, mm-hmm. Listen to what they have to say. Hear that, you know, someone held up a sign that says, I may not understand you, but yes. I stand with you. Yes. And that was just really speaking volumes. I was like, yes. okay, this is yes. this is why I wanted to have you on because it's so much that I wanted to say, but I needed to hear the wisdom from you from a higher in in a higher level. It it really is. It's about forgiveness, which you said. It's a, about acknowledgement, forgiveness, and atonement. Yes. And those those are the three things. And and really walking in love for real. Yes. And and that and that will. That will make and vote. I will yeah. want to say that we can vote vote away some bad bad yeah. things. Yeah. <laughs> but but one of the main things it is a spiritual it is a spiritual issue that we have to deal with. And yeah. I think people can't we we're not our world is not going to go back to normal. Twenty twenty has just like out the box been like someone said it says who wrote twenty twenty Stephen King. I mean you yeah. know it's like what. what is going on it's like this is can't get crazy but there is something that's shifting that that we know is going to happen that the the things that we that you have seen over your lifetime and that you know keep like you say keep repeating or whatever or or even for me you know just racism and things it's like okay this is really going to change i mean when i see internet marketers saying what can we do you know it's it's the equality issue is really you know, we have so many diversity, equality, and inclusion officers, but yeah. they're really now like people are going to really listen to them. Things yeah. are going to change in the corporate yeah. world. I just saw Robert Johnson 
it was a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about reparations. You were saying about reparations. He was talking yeah. about reparations. He says, well, yeah. it needs to be $14 trillion. I said, well, who came up with this number? But that was yeah. something that he was talking about. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, Robert Jackson, where have you been? It's like yeah. you just come out of nowhere, and now all of a sudden you're talking reparations. It even hit him, right? Because yes. he, yeah. he can take his money and go sit on the island somewhere and be good. Yes. But he was talking about reparations. So everybody is talking and wanting to do something studying and learning uh, that's key that's key that, that is key yeah that is key i mean because the more you know the more you're going to grow and really connect with other people like i connected with you yes, yes. you know again yes. again you know because uh, i just i just you know this book right here yes. your your laws with the law of thought change and vision those first yes. three and that's what you're talking about is yes. a change well well you know pam my realization came when I realized it was all one, that the, the uh, solving the race issue in America was a spiritual process. And the same things that we do for success, we do to create the world that we want. Ah. The law of thought, you know, as a man thinketh, as a mind thinketh in his heart, so is he, so is she, so are they. And mm -hmm. so this paradigm that we're living right now is somebody's thoughts. Okay? And this this collective mastermind that's happening on the planet can plant new thoughts. Yes. And everything has a season. Mm -hmm. See, and the Bible says to all, to everything is a season and a time. And this is the season for change. It this is. is. This is the season that all the world recognizes that we are the human race. Mm -hmm. COVID and brought that real clear. Yes. And then this is bringing it real clear as well. Real clear. It is real clear. I um, have Speakers Magazine, and, and I, the magazine is taking a shift, and I want to feature you in it as well. But I really want it, it's for Black speakers, and for yeah. not just speaking like I just want to speak to be seen, but speak yeah. to really deliver a message of change, hope, love, uh, something that really is going to be meaningful, lasting, yeah. something that's needed right now. So yeah. the magazine is really this last issue. We had uh, a lady that's on the cover. Do you see here? Yeah. And she's a young lady, but her main thing is that she has a mastermind where yeah. she's helping empower women yeah. to bring them out of poverty into entrepreneurship so yeah. that they can really make impact on their communities. And yeah. she was doing this work. It's a nonprofit. She's been doing this work for years. Yeah. And I, we had her on this issue. So this was June. And I knew she was going to be on the June. She's from Houston, and she actually knew George Floyd. Wow. They grew up on the same street. Isn't that amazing? Yes. That's amazing. I, I had no idea. And so yeah. I said, well, I want to talk to you, you know, interview you for the press release. And she says, you know, I said, this issue was really dedicated to George Floyd's legacy. And yeah. she said she knew him. I was like, yeah. oh, my God. I was like, the world just immediately gets smaller, right? You, you yes. like, it used to be, uh, uh, was it six, six, six levels? Six degrees of separation. Six degrees. Now it's like one. Now it's, it's like point one. It's like. With the internet, it's like, we're there. It's just a matter of, <laughs> it's a matter of time. Just scrolling. <laughs> just scrolling. So, I, you know, Dr. Dr. Harris, I just really, I really appreciate you. And um, I just love the work that you've done, that you're doing. Keep inspiring the next generation. Uh, the wisdom that you just laid down at that last little bit about, you know, all these principles is the same principles of success that you use to solve racism is like, that's true. Everybody's chasing success, trying to, you know, this success, I want my business, I got to do this. And it's the same principles that you use for race.
It's the same wow. one. Pam, I have I have so enjoyed this. Uh, you're gonna text me. I'm gonna send you a copy. Okay. And uh, yeah, definitely take care of that because I want you to have your copy. I I thought I'd sent you the uh, ebook. But I could get it. Yeah. I'll get it because the name of the book is called Solving the Race. Solving issue the Race in issue in America. In America. And I yeah. hold it up so you can. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Solving the so, Solving in black the and white. America. And it's go. going really well on Amazon. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and on our website, solvingtheraceissue.com. Yes. Um, we have a lot of good stuff there. I saw the video too at the end where you were talking at the Ohio State University. I was like, yes. mm -hmm. you know yes. I'm from Michigan, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I just thank you so much. And then, you know, I'm, like I said, I do want to feature you in uh, Speakers Magazine and maybe have you write just a little tidbit of what we just kind of talked I'm going to be doing more writing. Good, good. That'll be good because I'll be I'll, I'll you need to do that. All thank righty. You, well, you. thank you so much. And I'm going to end the live portion first. What I'm just gonna um, let's see. We're gonna end it. Stop the live stream. There we go. Stop the live stream. So I just want to say thank you so much. And then I'm going to send you a copy of this as well. Okay. Beautiful. Please. I'd love to All post right. you on our site. You did a great job. You are a great interviewer. You are 